Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. This is the host, Kyle Marcott, and today we'll be talking with Ruben Greth. Ruben has his own podcast about raising money for multifamily syndication called The Capital Raiser Show, where he learns best practices from successful syndicators and multifamily investors. He is a capital manager for Bakerson and does marketing, brand awareness, and capital raising for the company, who has purchased 850 units in Arizona, many through syndicating apartment com communities. He originally got started in real estate by raising 650k of joint venture money from social media to buy small multifamily deals in Phoenix during the real estate crash. He has his bachelor's degree from Arizona State University in chemistry and Spanish. Welcome to the show, Ruben. Dude, hell yeah, man. Thank you for having me on here. I'm so pumped up, dude. I think you were the first, I think I had you on my show. You were the first time, uh, first time you had ever been on a podcast. And now to see you have your own podcast and you're crushing it in real estate, man, it's been so exciting to follow you. So man, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for allowing, you know, some random 21 year old to come on your podcast and kind of let me get started in the whole thing. So I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, you bet, man. So let's get into your story. How do you, how did you kind of start in real estate? Where are you at now? And kind of give us the whole story arc. All right, I'll try and be fast with it because it's a little longer. But after I graduated from ASU, I was looking to get into real estate. My dad was an investor. He passed when I was young, but he said, you know, I made all my money in real estate, not as a doctor, not in the military. And that always stuck with me. So after graduating college, I tried to get a mortgage license and see maybe that'll be a stepping stone. All it really taught me was a little bit of finance and how to sell mortgages. So quit that when I found this multi-level marketing real estate education company that's no longer around, but I bought into their program, sold a bunch of it, made some good cash on the marketing side. And then as a result of marketing it, I created a meetup that was designed to attract investors and attract people to the business. And this one dude ended up Turning, to, turning out to be my partner. He came from San Diego with a bankruptcy, lost everything in spec homes and started buying a bunch of fourplexes here in town. I was like, well, how are you doing this with the bankruptcy? And he's like, come on, dude, I'll show you. So I started filming him at his real estate projects. Like he would say where he found it, how he was raising the capital for it, what he was going to do to tenant occupy it and how he was going to get back on the market for resale within 15 days and do it very efficiently. And by posting videos of him doing this, like we raised an additional $600,000 for more fourplexes. I mean, without ever asking for cash, you know, so we weren't promising returns. We we're just saying, Hey, this is our business. This is what we're doing. So we were doing pretty good, but we ended up splitting up and then I disappeared from real estate altogether until recently I presented somebody, a program or a concept to buy 32 fourplexes by doubling my portfolio every couple of years. And somebody challenged me. They're like, well, you want to get 128 units doing it this long route by yourself. Why don't you team up with somebody and just syndicate 128 units right off the bat? And I was like, I had never heard of this. And I couldn't conceptualize actually doing it, you know, boom, like it's done. I have it. I'm a part owner of this. So I got introduced to syndication and started interviewing gurus because I was about to drop some cash on one. And I started interviewing some local syndicators when I came across Bakerson and told them that I had raised some capital, that I was trying to learn the business. And they said, well, if you have some experience on social media, we need that presence on our team. You know, we're great at buying and acquiring deals, but we're not so good at the social media side and raising the capital. Why don't you come work with us? And that's how 
I ended up where I am today, raising capital and doing brand awareness and social media for Bakerson, which is a multifamily syndication company here in town. I should say in Arizona. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the social media route in as the marketing guy, it's brilliant. That's a really, really needed thing because a lot of people in the industry, we know real estate, and uh, but the social media thing can elude people. So it's awesome that you added value in that way. And I encourage people listening to always you know, find the best way that you can add value because it may not be in the traditional sense. You don't always have to be a, a deal finder or an asset manager or anything like that. You can find creative ways to get involved in syndications. And Ruben's a great example of that. So let's move on and uh, talk about Bakerson. So what's the evolution of Bakerson? What is that company all about? Uh, where are you guys now and where do you want to be? Yeah, it's an exciting little company. I would consider us small operators in Arizona. And we started in wholesaling. So we, we got really big in the wholesaling space, did about 2,000 homes, I think 287 in one year, which is the most that we could do, seven closings in one day. And then, so from there, we moved into wholesaling multifamily and I think a couple mobile homes. We saw was that we would wholesale these apartment complexes to syndicators and then they would be able to restore it, renovate it, and then within a matter of years, sell it for a huge profit. And we're like, well, if these guys can do it, we should probably be able to do it too. So we started syndicating properties and then started little, you know, I think we've done everything from an eight unit up to 120 here in Arizona, mostly started in Phoenix after we transitioned from wholesaling and then moved down into Tucson because we saw it, it was a little bit less competition down there and we had a good grasp of the market. So we've been by buying, fixing, and selling apartment complexes down there. We have two for sale right now that are under contract, a 74 and a 75. And we've been kind of transitioning from this model of buy, fix, and sell in a three-year period to let's do a legacy type investment. So now our idea is over the next 10 years or so is to acquire 10,000 units and acquire a bunch of passable and bring a lot of investors along the way for us while making an impact in the community by providing safe, functional, durable, and clean places. And kind of coming from this concept of togetherment, not only with our investors, but creating a community type environment where somebody can raise their family within the apartment communities themselves. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, not just not just the business, but also the, the community in, in which the business is surrounded with. So that's awesome. I think not enough people focus on the, the actual people in the buildings. They just focus on the buildings and uh, the, the people inside are, are very key. So it's awesome to hear that. Um, so you guys do seem to be in Arizona predominantly. What do you like about Arizona and what are some tips for people who are also looking at Arizona? Well, number one, it's in our backyard, right? So uh, what's it's interesting right now is there's so many economic drivers. And I think a couple of the cities outside of Arizona are like this too, where you have job growth and income growth and population growth and rental uh, amount growth and all of these things with companies moving in. It's just fantastic in terms of perspective for a place that you can raise rents over time. But because of the location... Sim, you know, very close to California and on the West Coast because people can't buy things that are affordable over there. So they're parking all of their cash in Arizona from there, which is driving down the cap rates and making it very challenging to find deals here. But there's a couple of places like a tertiary market like Tucson where we feel like we can still have an impact, particularly because we're well known down there. The brokers know us. So we like the fact that we have a grasp on and we're familiar with the economics and the drivers and the repositioning and the cost per renovation per unit. Uh, 
and what it would cost comparatively speaking to build a, a new apartment complexes versus what we're buying them for. We have all of those metrics down in Tucson, so that's why we like it. We know that in order to scale to 10,000 units, we're going to have to move into some new markets. But for now, as we're growing and building our track record and becoming a larger operator, Arizona is a great place for us. Yeah, and I love that you said you, you know the averages, you know the market really well, and the brokers know you as well. And that's why I teach everyone that, that's a student of mine to pick one market and stick to it. Like there's a Confucius quote that says something along the lines of if you chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either of them. So you have to just chase one rabbit. And the, the benefit of doing what you've done focusing on Tucson is now that everyone knows who Bakerson is in Tucson. So if they get a deal, they're going to consult you first. And that's such a valuable thing. So I really like that, that approach. Let's move on to your podcast. So you are hosting a podcast where you're interviewing syndicators constantly. Uh, you're, you're always asking about their best practices. You had me on as well. So what are some of the themes that you've had come through as you've interviewed so many people? What are some of the best practices that you've seen these people apply? Yeah, from an evolution perspective, what I've learned as a capital raiser, because I used to raise for small multifamily and Bakerson also used to raise for small deals, right? Wholesale deals. And we could always find the deal and then raise the capital for it if the deal was good enough. As you move into syndication, it changes. Your model has to change. It has to be a lot more investor communications and staying up to date with people and creating an educational platform. So we've kind of grown from this concept of, hey, let's find the deal and then raise the capital for it to let's first get people to know, like, and trust us through social media and education and asking people and probing what kind of needs they have. And then moving into explaining and educating on why multifamily is such a great asset class. From there, you teach people how it is, how it looks like to work with you, right? What the return structure is, what kind of communication you're going to receive and when you should expect to have your money back, things of that nature. And you do those three steps before step four, which is to present the deal. So from an evolutionary perspective, we've really shifted our model for raising capital. And now we're putting all of that infrastructure and communication in place so that we can do that and building a database. From best practices and other things that I've learned, so I've really started moving into learning not just the syndication model personally and to help Bakerson, but really starting to look at other ways to raise capital, creative ways and unusual or less known, more obscure type ways of raising capital that have their own inherent challenges like raising capital from family office or institutional funds or brokers and things of that nature. So we're exploring that. I've also heard recently the concept of doing a fund to fund or special purpose vehicle. Hunter Thompson talks about it on his show. So I'm contemplating using all of these resources and people and network that I've created over the last year to see if I can raise capital for other syndicators and put them into deals where we're not. So we're currently in Arizona, but I know that I can bring capital for deals that aren't in Arizona. Not everybody likes Arizona. And there are certainly people that are looking for a presence in Arizona that are wanting to work with Bakerson particularly from Canada and a couple other places that really like Arizona and like that we live here. So all of these kinds of things are blended into my new philosophies of how to raise capital and what I can do with my network to leverage it and to monetize it and to create a win-win situation for our investors and for ourselves as we're growing. 
Yeah, I really like the fund model. I've actually been looking into doing one of those myself. I would love to just break down for the listeners, what's the benefit of a fund versus buy, raising by property? What is the benefit for the syndicator? And also what's the benefit for the investors as well? So I'm not super well-versed, but I can mention a couple of things. So I think the biggest objection with the fund is people are going in blindly and they don't know what deal they're putting their cash in. But the benefit from what I'm hearing for a specific purpose vehicle, an entity that you create where you're the sponsor, number one, it handles the fact that you can raise capital legally without having a major active role because in order to legally raise capital, you have to be one of the GPs and have an ongoing role or thing that you do within that business. Whereas if you're the sponsor for the deal, you're always going to be investor communications and relations with your people and then you can raise the money before the deal is ever found and then park it in there and one of the things that makes that sexy and attractive is that you can actually if you're bringing in let's say a couple million dollars instead of a fifty thousand dollar check as a limited partner you might be able to negotiate better terms with the sponsor which would prevent people from circumventing you and going straight to the sponsor. If they can get better terms going through you and they already know, like, and trust you, then they have no reason to circumvent you and go direct to the, to the sponsor that, that's in question. So those are a couple of the things that I like about that model. Whether or not I can figure out how to put all the paperwork together and get the, and find out if it's feasible from a financial perspective and do all of those things and then get people to you know, invest blindly or find a specific property even because you have a choice, right? You can pick one specific property or you can say, hey, we're going to just take this fund and buy a bunch of properties. So I think those are some of the things that I like. Yeah, I definitely like the flexibility from both sides. You get to diversify the passive investors' money across more deals if you want to. And then as a syndicator, you get that actual commitment up front that you can have people sign a, a document before the actual PPM that says, you know, you're putting 10% or 20% down of your investment. And when we call the rest of it, when we do get a deal under contract, you're like legally required to. So that soft commitment drop off doesn't actually affect you as much. Whereas in my experience, raising by property, you tend to lose about 50% of people who, who soft commit to you because there's just a verbal commitment of, yeah, sure, man, I'll give you some money. And that typically turns out to about half the time the person actually ends up backing out. So I think the blind fund is a lot more certain for the syndicator. And then you also get the diversification option um, in so many different vehicles that you can actually be invested in through these funds of funds. So I think that it's a, a really good thing. And I think a lot of people are going to start doing it moving forward, to be completely honest. The other thing that you said when you were on my show was that you found that capital was a lot more easy to find than you actually thought it would be. And really what people want is deal flow. So if you can put some money together which, and you have an easier time doing that than finding deals, and you know a bunch of sponsors from your own podcast or from my podcast or from wherever, you can actually take some of those funds and create the deal flow and create attractive terms that people don't typically have access to, especially like if you're trying to navigate, how do I get into multifamily syndication as a limited partner? How do I meet all these people? Will you, you team up with somebody that knows everybody or at least knows more people than you do. And at the beginning, that's overwhelming. You don't have the time to vet a bunch of people. So you find somebody that you trust and then park your money with them and trust that they're going to do a good job for you. Exactly. So let's move on to the question that I ask every uh, guest, and that is a tip for a 20-something who is starting in business or real estate. Man, so the first thing I would say is pick one specific little thing that you want to do 
and don't let your focus be shifted somewhere else because I think some younger people or people of a squirrel brain nature like myself, we tend to look at the next shiny object and just lose focus. But when you dial in your processes or dial in your focus and don't let yourself get distracted by other income opportunities, by other businesses, by your job, by your family, and just keep on driving into the world that you want to get into and really create that reality for yourself without letting yourself be distracted. Pick one little niche, whether it's multifamily or raising capital within multifamily or deal finding, and then master it. And don't let yourself move on to the next thing until you have that dialed in. Yeah, focus. I think there's actually an interview out there somewhere of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett being asked a question similar to the one I just asked you, like, what's the most important thing? And they literally on this at the same, like they do, they do a jinx thing where they say focus at the same time. They both go focus and they didn't, <laughs> it's not planned. They didn't really know each other very well at the beginning of the interview. So I think that tells people a lot of things. It's like if Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are both saying the same single word answer to that question, I think focus is probably a pretty important thing. So Huge. where can people find you on, uh, on social media, Ruben, if they want to get in touch with you? So they can go to my show, CapitalRaiserShow.com or find me on Instagram at CapitalRaiser or I'm easy to find on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on today. And again, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, man.